The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Hello, and welcome to the Insurance Coffee House podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Laura Crossin, who is the SVP of Human Resources at Philadelphia Insurance Companies. Laura, pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Doing well, Nick, and happy to be here. Thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Really looking forward to hearing more about the great work that you guys are doing there at Philadelphia Insurance. Before we get on to that, though, as we are in the insurance coffee house this morning, I know it's first thing there in Philadelphia today. What's your go-to coffee of choice this morning? I am a Starbucks Pike Place drinker. You have to divulge a little bit more, Laura, especially for some of our UK listeners. Is that quite a strong coffee or is that more on the milk side? I would say it's a medium roast. So not light, not too dark, although probably just because of Starbucks tends to be a little bit more on the bitter side than some other types of medium coffees. Gives you a good hit. Great stuff. Well, Laura, it'd be great to find out more. I'm sure our listeners would be really interested to hear First of all, about your personal career journey, your career background, and how that's led to the role you have there now at Philadelphia. I always think it's interesting when you talk to people in insurance and ask how they came to land in insurance, and it's either you know by accident or they had a, a family member in insurance. I was one of those that, I guess it was a little bit by accident, just as far as when I was in school and going to a school that you know kind of started in the journalism path you know, just in conversations with career advisors and and all of that, it just seemed like that was going to be a sort of an arduous task to build a career in. So I, I pivoted and try to refine myself, I guess. And I was fortunate that my school, Temple, had a risk management and insurance program that as part of the business school curriculum, you were required to take an intro to risk class. And I can say that I took the intro to risk class and I was hooked. Um, so I actually was pursuing two paths, one in HR and, and one in insurance. So as I left school and was kind of looking for that opportunity, I was really fortunate to find a path that led me to HR in the insurance industry. I started at a previous carrier before coming to Philly Insurance, but I've been at Philly Insurance for 16 and a half years now. And I can tell you from the first day I stepped into the lobby of Philly Insurance, I was like, I've found my home. This is where I need to be. And, you know, I just think that the insurance industry, I always think it gets a bad rap for being, you know, sort of boring or dad's job. We have to resell it because it's just such a dynamic industry. And I, I love every bit of it. Thank you for that, Laura. It sounds like you're very well qualified then. You did your degree actually in HR and insurance. So being a leader at an insurance business within the HR realm seems like a natural path. I know there's quite an interesting story, though, about how you actually joined Philadelphia and how you actually found out about them as a business and the opportunity there. I was working for a carrier in the Philadelphia area more of, as a, a regional HR person, and I was looking to get back onto the corporate side. I was in the midst of 
training for a triathlon and I was at the expo leading up to the race and there was a, a booth at the at the expo that I'd never heard of Philadelphia insurance companies. They weren't quite as much a player for the carrier that I was currently with. Um, but I saw in their little placard that they had some product lines that I knew we were in. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I should check that out. And so I went to their website and sure enough, they had an HR opening. So yeah, I interviewed for it and it's been a home run ever since. So you live in Philadelphia, you've studied HR and insurance, you worked at another insurance carrier. Being the SVP, being a, a leader at Philadelphia Insurance Company just seems like the perfect place for you. Laura, could you maybe give our listeners an overview of where the business is at the moment? I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with the brand and with the name, but maybe if you could give us a little bit more detail on where the business is at at the moment. Sure. I mean, last year... We celebrated our 60th year as a business and quite the celebration. I would say that probably the best year in the history of the company. So we finally hit $4 billion from a premium standpoint. So it was an exciting chapter for Philly. You know, I think back to when I started at Philly and this was, you know, back in 2006, you know, we were roughly about 1,200 employees maybe one and a half billion dollars. And so to you know look at us now and we're not only you know 2,000 employees, we're a four billion dollar company, um, but also part of you know the Tokyo Marine family. So it really has expanded just our footprint in the insurance industry for sure. Been a huge growth journey there. What are some of the markets I understand it's a lot of specialty risk that you write there. What's the sort of risk profile? What are the appetite there as a business? What are some of those risks that you're writing there? Sure. I would say, I mean, we're definitely known as a niche carrier. So we try to find, you know, what we're good at and and do really well in that. We also recognize what we don't want to get involved with and, and we walk away from you know those opportunities. So I think we're, you know, just a pretty deliberate and disciplined organization. I would say, you know, certainly from a commercial line side, I think we're kind of known for being in the nonprofit uh, arena. It's a big part of our book of business. Um, we are also in the the specialty lines area. And I would say over kind of my time, just seeing where we've expanded into pretty robust surety division. We're you know now getting into agribusiness. We added accident and health. We acquired worldwide a couple of years ago. So you know we're we're organically growing. And again, I think just being really really smart about what product lines we get into. But I think just generally speaking, you know, it's just the specialty areas that we cover. So I mentioned nonprofit sports and recreation is another sort of area that we're uh, known for as well. It sounds like the company is actually in a really great place. I mean, I'm sure attracting talent to you know, four billion dollar business, but where you are, you know, staying very true to those specialist lines, I'm sure is very attractive. And you can see that in the growth in the time that you've been there, from 1,200 employees up to 2,000. In terms of your position there as a company, SVP Human Resources, and that can include a lot of different things at different businesses. What's the main scope of your role, and what are the responsibilities that you have there? That's a tough question to answer because it doesn't fit into a nice little uh, box of description. It's been actually really awesome. When I first started Philly, our department size was probably around like 10 to 15 HR folks and all in our home office in Belkinwood, uh, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philly. Today, we have 50 people in the HR department. And what I think that that speaks volumes about is just, you know, we're a very people-focused organization. And so we've really invested in making sure that we have strong enough 
presence on the HR side to really invest in in our talents. So when you ask like what my scope is, you know, it depends on what the day is, what time of day, what surprise is coming my way, but you know, really focusing on talent acquisition for sure. Talent development is another key area. And, you know, just kind of in between, we have our corporate social responsibility team falls on, on HR. We have a analytics and then we have an engagement team as well. That's really, you know, kind of focused on keeping our employees engaged. I understand one of the big successes that you've had there is the culture that you've built. Finding that is a great way of attracting talent, but then also retaining that talent. Could you share with us a little bit more around the Team Philly culture that you've built there? What does that mean? What does that feel like? And how has that helped you to engage with talent? I really think that our culture is our competitive advantage. I always think about when we show up at events and I can remember being at an event and someone said, uh, you can always tell when the Philly people show up. What do you mean by that? You know, it's really just, I guess for a, a way to describe it, it's, you know, people that work at Philly come with their batteries charged a hundred percent every day. So, you know, when they walk right up to people, hi, I'm so-and-so and they make introductions and they do whatever they can to kind of get to know people in the room. You know, there's a couple of underlying factors to our culture that I think started with our just the history of our company as you know, we weren't really a traditional carrier in the sense of we operated a little bit more like an agency. And so we have a sales and marketing team that is just unique from a carrier perspective. And I think that really drives a very entrepreneurial and, and competitive spirit in the organization in a good way. I mean, we're always in it to win it. And that means, you know, not necessarily competing against one another, not this like cutthroat type of organization, but more just that we want to be the best. Our tagline is always, we want to be the company everyone wants to do business with and that everybody wants to work for. It's been our very simplistic tagline, but it says a lot. And so I think, you know, it draws the right people that want to work at Philly that kind of get into that culture, very, you know, high achieving driven type of folks. And again, that competitive spirit so people that work at Philly, again, I would say is another element of our competitive advantage. It's what makes Philly so great. We just hire great people. We have great people. When we have people that leave the organization, the one thing they say, the toughest thing to leave is the people that work at Philly. And I feel like, you know, that team Philly that you mentioned, I mean, that that's our hashtag, that's our brand, that's how we identify. So that teamwork is, I would say, first and foremost, one of the most compelling parts of our culture that really brings people together. It's very unique as well, particularly on the carrier side, like you said, coming from an agency, normally is a lot more entrepreneurialism that lends itself much more to entrepreneurial relationships and businesses attracting people from that side. But from a carrier perspective, you know, that's very rare to see in the marketplace. And I certainly know lots of different carriers who would love to have a culture like that and love to have a tagline like that as well. It's very rare. How has that culture been born around? Is that something that's just naturally evolved or has that been a very purposeful intent when the company was started as it's developed? Is it something that people with that type of personality and cultural fit, people with that cultural fit and personality, have they been deliberately sought out or is that something that's just evolved over the years? Well, I think it's partly both. I think just the way our company started and I don't know if you're familiar with the history of our company, but our founder really was trying to find 
a way to path to success, really came across a community of people, the deaf community who were so underserved in the insurance industry because people didn't know how to communicate with that community of people. So taking the steps to learn how to communicate with with that group of people, you know, it's just that creativity and innovation and just wanting to do the right thing. I feel like those values have been forever sort of interwoven into our company. And I think about our leadership team and the tenure of our leadership team. I would say that all of the majority of our leadership team have been with Philly almost, you know, since its early days as being, you know, public company. And I feel like those culture carriers have been, you know, again, what's been able to like keep our culture consistent but not static. Cause I think that that's also really important is making sure that we're continuing to evolve and grow as the market changes, as the world changes. And you can imagine that we all experienced some phenomenons in 2020. I think that, that it was our culture that helped us to, to navigate that. And how do you feel and talk about developing that culture further and not keeping it static? Are there any initiatives that you have, any programs that you have there that has helped to cultivate and develop that culture further? I know it sounds weird to say, but I do think that 2020 was, you know, just had some silver linings in it in the sense that it opened a lot of doors. We just need to be different. We need to do things differently in order to survive this complete turnaround and how we all were operating. I think that, again, that drive to win and succeed and do right by our people. So our people that work at Philly, the customers that we support, the community service being such a big part of our organizational tapestry. And it was people, even though nobody was allowed to go anywhere, people were like, how can I help? What can I do to, to give back? And, you know, trying to find virtual volunteer, you know, type of opportunities. So I feel like it really, considering we're in this Still, I would say this like crossroads of trying to figure out we're pandemic in the rearview mirror. How are we going forward? And, you know, really trying to think about what needs to continue to evolve. So I think just as far as what that looks like in this hybrid, you know, remote world is something we're still trying to figure out, quite frankly, because I think that, you know, our culture, we've relied on it. It's gotten us through a lot of different challenges. And now that some of those, you know, big life changing challenges are in the rearview mirror and people are working differently, it's okay, how do we recreate opportunities for people to connect to our culture that are new to the organization? Or even if they're not new, like how do we keep that thriving? Um, so we actually have a team of people that are our culture committee, you know, they're really focused on how to fabricate our, our culture in a way that doesn't feel disingenuine, but like giving people opportunities to connect to the culture that just is different when you're not coming into the office every day or not seeing people every day that we used to do. And I feel like that was hard to imagine how to do that, but that's something that we're really focused on how to create that or recreate it, I guess. I think it is a challenge, particularly as more people are remote or working hybrid and to have those initiatives where it doesn't seem disingenuous and it's a tick box exercise people are very conscious of their time as well now much easier to create in an office environment where people grab five minutes here or have a conversation there or grab a coffee over lunch really is a challenge i think for the whole industry we'll see how that develops over the next few years but then um, so much innovation as well that's come out for a people industry technology has been a huge help in keeping things as real as they can be 
but there is still something that you just miss when you're not together. And I'm a big fan of of hybrid. I think it responds to what people need in their lives, but it's, again, it's a little tricky as a company that really embraces their culture, promotes their culture. And some of that relies on people being in person and it's, you know, trying to figure that out, I think is a necessity. I mean, I think it's just how, how we're going to stay relevant and true to who we are as a company. Laura brings us onto the espresso round now where the questions are short, sharp and to the point. You know, you've got your strong Starbucks coffee there. Are you ready for the espresso round? I think I'm ready. The espresso round. Laura, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to executives or leaders who are coming in to interview for you there at Philadelphia? Put your seatbelt on. Part of that is just simply because I think that things move fast, change fast, and need to be able to be nimble and agile enough to navigate and go with the flow with those changes. So great to hear because there's so many executives and leaders out there who are craving that real dynamism and ability to move quickly. And sometimes they're stymied at the moment, depending on where they're working, but that's not always the case, particularly with some of the larger carriers. Across your career, I'm sure you've interviewed many people who've had many people sit across the desk from you. Is there one memorable moment across that time that sticks with you that you'd be able to share with us today? I guess just from my experience in interviewing people, and I'm always curious when people have questions for me, I always love when people ask the question of, you know, what do you feel most proud of? It's such a big question, but I love that people are just thinking about and valuing how to show up and make a contribution. I can remember there was one person that I guess it was sort of an interview slash introduction. It was somebody who was actually hard of hearing and it wasn't intentional or deliberate, but it just so happened to be, we had just finished our first summer partnering with Gallaudet University, which is a school in Washington, DC, that is specific for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And we had just had two of their students in our summer intern program. It was admittedly, you know, I was a little deer in headlights going into it because it was, you know, wanting to make sure that it was a good experience for those students who were studying, you know, insurance to come into our intern program. I remember just being able to communicate with this individual and telling them, you know, just how fulfilling and and meaningful that was. The person just started to break down and in tears, and they were just so moved by it and saying, you know, how exciting that was for the insurance industry to be having people from the deaf and hard of hearing community coming into the insurance industry. And it just stood out as just a memorable moment for me because it was just such a unique moment, I guess. Someone breaking down in tears for the right reasons. And I also really like that question, you know, what are you most proud of asking that of? someone who's interviewing you. And I think that shows a lot. And I think the answer there, quite clearly, you've got a lot to be proud of there. But I think as executives do go for interviews and they're weighing up the companies that they want to work for, I think that's a great question to ask. I'll be noting that down and I'll be using that with some of our leaders we work with as we prep them for interviews. So thank you for that, Laura. Laura, um, in terms of technology, obviously you're recruiting, you're attracting talent you know, across the year. Is there any technology, any tools at all that you're using there that's helping with that process? I know Zoom kind of had its place. We're actually on and, and using Microsoft Teams as a tool. And I, I think that that has been 
really helpful for us, not only from an internal communication standpoint for a long time, you know, we weren't able to meet in person. So we were doing, you know, interviews virtually and trying to find ways to create as much of a live experience as we could. So that's something that I think has really helped us actually feel more connected than, than, than not. Um, I think one of the other tools that we are using that is still sort of new for us, but um, it's a tool called Yellow. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, you know, kind of has multiple facets to it and finding that that is just, again, just trying to help be more efficient as we're connecting with talent. You know, there's always this sort of black hole people feel like they go into when they're looking for new opportunities and waiting to hear back. So we're, you know, just trying to do our best to sort of put some of the control in the candidates' hands as far as being able to, you know, schedule interviews on their time, you know, and just really try to improve that candidate experience. Final question in the espresso round. And again, this is this is not actually a short, sharp question, Laura, so forgive me. <laughs> For the other HR executives listening out there today, what advice would you give them around building culture and building a culture that you know really appeals to people so that they can attract the talent that they're looking to bring into the company? Well, I think what we have found to be really successful at Philly, and I think just is such a critical ingredient to that, is you have to listen to your people. We're very as I've mentioned, um, very employee focused and employee centric. And I think a large part of that is we ask our employees questions. We listen to what they have to say. Their voices have a big role in, you know, a lot of our initiatives and and really help to shape that culture. And I think that's just a, a critical component to having people work at a place where they want to work and they come, as I said, with their batteries charged especially in a people industry like ours. So listening out there, listen to your people, guys, listen to your people. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. The time has certainly flown by. You know, really fascinating to hear more about Philly and some of those great initiatives. Before we go, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And if anyone wanted to reach out to you today about any roles or opportunities or just wanted to talk about the culture there at Philly a little bit more, what would be the best way of reaching out to you? My email is probably the best way. I'm LinkedIn as well as another means to get in touch with me. When you ask about, you know, what piece of advice I would give, you know, again, it's to me, one of the things that I focus on daily is just investing in our talent and, and how do you do that and what does that look like? And I think that's just the most important thing you can do as a company. I mean, the business is the business. It's the talent that makes that business successful. So hiring the right talent, developing that talent, engaging the talent to me, it just has to be a high priority. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real privilege. I hope you've enjoyed it. Catch up with you soon. Thanks, Nick. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders, C-suite executives, and ambitious insurance professionals. Stream all episodes at insurance-search.com.